0: I'm looking for similarities in the way troublemakers think. This is Steve St. Clair, co-founder of Trouble Group. Join us as we learn from others who are shaking things up. This podcast has helped me meet some extraordinary people, none more so than Doug Standley, Doug is a recognized leader in the design of disruptive technology and innovation strategies. He's currently pioneering distributed computing, Edge to Cloud, as the founder and CEO of Societal Innovation Holdings, Inc., and his subsidiary, NEO Labs. He takes on huge problems and solves them with clear thinking and elegant solutions. And I mean huge problems. You'll hear some of this in the podcast. In his former role as principal, practice leader, and eminence fellow at Deloitte Consulting, Doug is recognized for his pioneering research on digital technologies and applications, RFID, machine-to-machine, Internet of Things, new user interface, and experience design, and advancing distributed computing software platforms. Here's the podcast. Full disclosure, sometimes I get myself into conversations with people that it's beyond me and there are parts of what you guys are doing that's beyond me Mm. because yeah, I think you're right out on the edge. I literally and figuratively the edge of the network and everything else. Um, So I'm not, I don't intend to make this about you teaching me Mm. uh, because that wouldn't be useful for other people for you. Yeah. That just make your head hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But what I, what I am interested in is what happened that led you to do what you did Mm. and and to see the, the, the IOT edge world, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. We saw it early. Uh, I guess it's, it's, it's not, I, I wish I could, I could make this, you know, like this profound, you know, the gods spoke to me one day or something, (laughs) you know, like I'm just an old guy who my entire career has been played forward helping people and myself imagine what's going to happen and how it may impact their business and, or their life, you know? And so I I actually first wrote about what today is called distributed computing, but for me, it was just proper architecture of computation. I first wrote about it in 1999 and said, look at, you know, uh, the internet was perfect until we Fucked it up, right?
0: Flooded <laughs> it, and, and in everything else. Yeah. Right
1: now, we're having this beautiful peer-to-peer conversation, right? And which was the original design of the internet. And and so then, of course, as the power grab around the internet happened, we're still, admit, you know, living within. We finally said, no, nah, nah, we want to go back to controlling things," which is what you know, the internet was meant to break. Yeah. so. We run in this in this client-server bias control model, which, frankly, just isn't efficient. Kind of fast forward. I when I got to Deloitte, uh, so I took a company public. Internet bubble burst. So I'm one of those forty-two million dollar guys. You know that mm-hmm. help lessons. <laughs> and uh, and and it doesn't help when you write. you're right. The only guy right in the room. That could have prevented that it doesn't help it doesn't make it feel any better that's right. all bullshit that's bullshit it doesn't it's still 42 million real dollars uh, I tell you that story sometime but but uh, so I got to Deloitte and frankly the same thing was happening is like clients are going my god my god you know and they're they're chasing all these you know the next nirvana I call it right and um, the hype yeah and so you know the first thing that Deloitte pointed me at was this topic of RFID and I said well why are you thinking about that you know it's it's just another sensor and so at the time they were spending about seven million a year beginning this is before the Walmart mandate or anything else I said stop don't don't do that that's stupid you know yeah so we started shutting all of that down and and um you know they listened which was good and so we were the kind of the first to pivot away from the hype that was good Saved about seven million a year, and and all this other silliness that was happening on that. So, so then I said, "Look, here's what I'm going to do. Look, what we can agree on is that we were we are heading into this era of hyperconnectivity and hyperdigitization. Call it what you will, right? Uh, pervasive computing, adaptive computing, ambient computing. I don't care about all that. But what it, what it means to our clients is you know, we've spending all this money on this model that is still based on the supply economics, not demand economics. So we've built all these systems that are slow and latent and batch, but yet the world is working in real time. So there's the disconnect, right? And this is the addressable market. Every client has built all of this shit to serve this model. They now need to serve this model. Wow. And that rang a bell, right? With a lot of folks. And, mm-hmm. and so, and rather than trying to call the thing, I said, look, let's just go out and tell people the truth, right? And so we did many millions of dollars. In fact, my team and I, we did about a half a billion in 10 years at Deloitte. And it was all around just telling people the truth, right? But along the way, and half a billion is a lot, right? It's a lot of money for, yeah. for a single partner, right? It's 10, 20, that's what partner expectations were, Yeah. And so eventually the firm started saying, well, how are you doing this? You know, you got to make it a program, you know, it's like, okay. That's you know. again,
0: old thinking, right?
1: Yeah. And so I was like, okay, you got to <laughs> teach us how to do this. And, and so that led to other things. And so it led to, you know, Deloitte just published their first uh, annual trends piece. Well, I wrote the first three articles in trends version number one. Wow. So I became the first Deloitte fellow. Oh, Whatever cool. Whatever that meant. Whatever that meant. And so the, well, I don't know, <laughs> you know. One of the reasons I stopped in your piece because they people used to refer to me as the scud missile. And mm. so the topic of your podcast of troublemakers was interesting to me. Um, because just naturally I think, look at let's just let's just talk to people honestly. And I think to get to that honesty, you have to say, I'm gonna put my bias aside. So Because of the Deloitte brand, we were able to do amazing research on over 200 companies on how will, what will digital mean to you? And and frankly, all we got was a regurgitation of what they were already doing. This rebranded. So, okay, so basically you're going to sell more batch latent systems in the digital economy. So... (laughs) It was going to be something that requires your software or something that requires your network or something that requires your cloud or your silicon. And so the missing ingredient there was interoperability. And so what we've built our tooling is tooling that enables massive interoperability, incredibly adaptive architecture from cloud. It can work just like middleware in the cloud, all the way down to running on your phone or a microcontroller. And so what we said is, look, let's take the brain and let's put it where it's most efficient in your solution design and then allow you to determine, is this a peer-to-peer relationship? Is it me to Steve or is it me to Steve to somebody else? And we do that through our tooling. So we just we enable you to design and build this architecture and then all the computation, all the math goes with it, wherever you go. And then what's left is a beautiful system of record because we also discovered once you start connecting shit and if it's held together with scripts and all this stuff, then frankly, the overhead associated with managing it is harder than what you dealing without it. Right. So, yeah. so it's a living environment that then say, Oh, okay. And then, then you start tuning it. I saying, okay, provide context for me, take me out of the equation. We called that progressive adoption. So look, I don't care. If this is just, you want a light to turn on, we don't care, we have no bias here. And so, or a siren to go off or full automation, right? We don't care about all that. We have no bias to how you use it. So that was the tooling stack that we discovered uh, in the back of a candle factory while at Deloitte. We tried to build, so Deloitte eventually said, you have to go build this. We said, <laughs> And so he said, find somebody to partner with because Deloitte didn't build software at the time for their own use. And they still can't. Right. So we tried to partner it and that failed miserably. Now the problem with Deloitte's brand is we had a whole world of clients waiting for me to go. (laughs) ta-da! Right. So I did the the launch keynote of the company, which is now part of PTC and, uh, and as the story goes, I did the launch keynote. Then we went, took it into our lab, which is literally in the back of an old candle factory in Arkansas. And uh, as the story goes, the shit didn't work. And <laughs> so Walmart and everybody kind of looking at me and I said, OK, well, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> I called the time out and uh, I lovingly referred to them as my is my Russian mercenaries, but Truly, they were Russian PhD mercenaries, (laughs) and uh, I don't know how I did it, but I got them employed by the firm. Mm -hmm. And uh, four months later, we showed Walmart the auto possible of a fully interoperable distribution center and retail store. Uh, so they could literally design the interactions in flight, and you know, this with this, and this with this to do this, right. And it turned into this incredible grab-ass party that went on for three hours of them saying, do this. And we had five minutes to build the next use case. Wow. Now, we had no UI. This was just us in, in command line, right? Oh, wow. So we kept doing use. It was 108 degrees in the back of this candle factory in the middle of summer. <laughs> and, and so all of Walmart IT and innovation and all these people and do this, do that, have it do this, have it open this door, have it turn that light on, stop that conveyor belt. And three hours this went on until one of our guys grabbed a space at the end of some script and copied the space into the command. And then it didn't work. <laughs> and so the head of Walmart's innovation called me over and said, okay, this is how this is going to go. Where do to give you 40 million bucks? And we're going to buy it all right now, and you. And I said, "Well, that could never happen inside of Deloitte." So then we started arguing amongst ourselves in the firm. And uh, uh, Intel tried to buy us because they saw us take computation, and it wasn't necessarily have to be on a server; it could be on anything, you know. And they said, "Well, that'll mean a lot fewer servers, so we'll buy it and mothball it." So here's 25 million bucks to not build it. <laughs> exactly. And the firm says, we can't take that money. I said, well, it's not yours. It's mine. <laughs> right? So right. it was my IP before I joined the firm. So, so eventually I said, look, I'm going to leave and I'll go do it myself. And uh, so they waved me and I waved them and we're still friends. And and uh, But you know, our first patents go back to on, on what today is edge computing, I guess, and uh, So my colleague, Dr. Steve Shepard, and I are are currently working on a book that won't be about edge computing, but it's going to be the story and about edge computing. It's going to be a non-technical book. It's going to start in a candle factory and ends in a vineyard in, in southern Arizona that's 60 miles from the Mexican border that is the only autonomous farm in the world powered only by our software. Oh, Brilliant. And uh, you can see it from our website. Just go to yeah. case studies, and so um, so it's still there. And and uh, but we so we've kind of pioneered all of that way before it was cool. Now think about the forces. There is no telco in the world that wants you to limit the amount of data that goes across their network. There is no cloud provider in the world that wants you to limit the amount of data that gets put in their storage. And most silicon producers want the maximum amount of processing capability, which means more for the thing. So for instance, on this, I can do 5 million signals a second. So this is a supercomputer.
0: Yep. A yeah, Raspberry
1: so. Pi, which is a throwaway DIY. You know, we're in the tens of thousands per second. That's still a server, right? So we've we've lowered the cost of computation. The reality is you don't need to store everything you know, to, to automate anything, you know? And so storage should be optional and we have decoupled storage. So storage is something to us. It's like if we were doing all of this conversation, capturing this video, we would put algorithms against this video that say, turn a light on if Doug says, because we've got Doug's voice signature, says the word zippity doo now that doesn't need to go up to the cloud and back. It just needs to turn the fucking light on. Right. Okay. You don't need to store all that. So because we can do that, think about what happens in privacy because we don't have to store your identity to create a command. We verify your identity and it's gone. It becomes vapor after that because the identity part of this, of this workflow or what we call a service is just part of authentication right? And so once it's authenticated, we don't have to go put it up on the storage and create a, a historical record of Steve St. Clair and Doug Stanley talking. Zoom is doing that right now, mm-hmm. right? But we don't need it. It's not mandatory. There's no technology that uh, that requires it. So we can configure uh, uh, identity in a way and obfuscate identity in a way that's really very pri- very powerful. And now Maybe the world is caught up to us because privacy is beginning to be important um, and they're all going to be held accountable. So, so anyway, so we, we created the ability to p- apply computation on what we like to say on year terms. And then what's in our stack, the f- tools that make it very low friction. That's really all it's about. Uh, we can run on anything. We have no bias to anything. We don't care what kind of uh, operating system it is. We don't care what kind of signal it is. If it's analog, we can convert it to digital. If it's digital, we don't care. It's anything with anything interoperability. And so our software is that relationship broker, or data operations broker on all of those relationships. And you can apply it any way you choose. That's what it is. Uh, and I would say we're, we have eight patents. And, you know, and software patents are hard to get. So I think we've done, you know, the, The USPTO has acknowledged that we've done something, you know, novel, which is the whole notion of a patent. That's our story. That's technology. That's the technology side. I don't know if we want to talk about the technology or use cases or whatever you were talking about, but. I want to ask you one question. Sure.
0: What makes you (laughs) sick?
1: So I, I am incredibly curious and I see things that are wrong and I don't accept them. And so most of my life, even though I've I've taken some companies public, I've done a lot of consulting work, a lot of turnaround work. Let's just say things that need to be fixed work. And the clients didn't have the talent or maybe the courage to do it on their own. And so, you know, you know, walking in and and turning a, a screw a quarter turn is not a fix generally so you have to be able to do something provocative and, and meaningful. And so since most of my life, my livelihood has been tied to fixing things, you know, I've had to challenge myself to say, well, how could this be fixed? You right. And so I am just curious and I am a voracious learner, reader, learner, my brain Functions more in pictures than in math. So I see things work or not work. One of the Russians that I told you we hired told me that after we almost killed each other arguing, uh, he says, you know, I finally figured out that your brain just works different than mine. Mine works in, in numbers and yours works in pictures. Yep. And he was very, very true. So, so like I asked you, what's the outcome you're looking for when you first ping me? Why are we doing this? Yeah, you did. I, I wanted to know the picture what do you, why would I spend time on something that doesn't help your picture right right So I think that what makes me tick is you know for some reason you know I've got above average capacity uh, from my brain and both sides work pretty well and I'm just maybe dumb enough to challenge status quo. And enough of a scud missile to call a duck, a duck, you know? (laughs) And, uh, but also then, you know, somebody says, okay, if that's a, if if that duck's a duck, what are you going to do with the duck? And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make it quack. Right. So I guess that's what makes me tick. I love challenges. I absolutely love being accountable. I frankly love being anonymous. Um, I, despise the limelight. Another reason I kind of pushed back on, you know, I do this stuff and I do it selectively, but I, uh, I, frankly, I, I love the idea of being, you know, anonymous, but yet helpful. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, that's one of the reasons we're trying to convert this thing to a not for profit because frankly the for profit in agriculture and conversation is just broken. Yeah. There's just a bunch of parts trying to solve little pieces of things where you know, our tooling is the foundational element that makes all of it work. And so the best way to do that is to teach others how to use it, which is you got to involve academia and trying to sell to a university or a school is a fool's mission. So we got to come up with a way to give it away. All right. And that's what we're going to yep. do. We're going to make it a public foundation and, you know, we're going to make it a membership model where, you know, it cost you know, maybe 10 bucks a month for somebody to use our software. So. Brilliant. Um, We'll see. Got to make it happen, you know. So I'll tell you the story. I got asked by Deloitte to go to many meetings and, you know, be that guy that, you know, leaves a mark on the meeting. And, uh, you know, the World Energy Council and stuff like that. So I got asked to attend a meeting at the Department of Energy. And so I flew to D.C. And, and they didn't even tell us what the meeting was about. Was just, I was there representing Deloitte. And so we got there and we're all milling around and about, I don't know, a dozen, dozen and a half of us in the room. And the Department of Energy guys walk in and they said, well, let me tell you why we've invited you here. The world's water infrastructure is corroding. This is before Flint. So this should probably be 2010 ish, Um, I retired July 28th, 2013. And this infrastructure is corroding and we don't know how to solve the problem. But we've brought you here to give us your thoughts. And so this gentleman stands up and we had already done intros. I knew he was from G.E., the guy from GE stands up and says, this is an international problem that's perfectly fit for General Electric. We will tear it all out and replace it with General Electric equipment, and we will finance the entire deal. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I actually didn't know, but I so I said, did you just really fucking say that? And then I looked at the moderator, like I'm looking at you, you guys said, did I just say that out loud? He goes, <laughs> Because Mr. Stanley, you did. And you just said what we're all thinking. Thank you. Wow. And so I walked out of there and I thought, if somebody doesn't solve this interoperability opportunity, because it's not a challenge, we've proven that it's not a challenge. If somebody doesn't solve this, then we'll never be able to innovate society. So we don't advertise this, but our holding company's name is societal innovation. Because at the time I walked out of that meeting, I got in a cab and said, I'm going to build the software, because we were working on it by this point, that if we need to, we can give it away. Now, that was 2010. And here I am today. What am I thinking about doing? Because guess what? Farming uses about 70% of the world's fresh water. And we know it wastes about 70% of that. And now I'm growing fine wine grapes in the deserts of Arizona, 50 miles from the Mexican border. We're using a third of what they use in Napa to use. And we're using less than they use to grow cotton, which cotton doesn't even need water. (laughs) So we're using less than an acre foot. So on this little 15 acre vineyard, we're saving over a million gallons a year of fresh water. And we could give it away. So recently, UC Santa Barbara published some research. There are 38 million groundwater wells in the world, which is great. So that's the addressable market. The bad news is that 20% of them are going dry. The really bad news is that none of them are monitored. Nobody knows they're dry until they're dry. Wow. So, now let me finish the story. Uh, last year ago, not this last growing season, which just ended, but the year back, year before this, so 2020, I get a call from the owners of the vineyard and said, hey, the pumps won't start. <laughs> so I said, well, where are you? I said, oh, we're in the mountains of Colorado fly fishing. We we're going we were gonna schedule watering from our phones. I said, oh. So I opened their instance and said, Oh, okay, you have 38 alerts. For the last 38 days, you've been getting low well level alerts you're now below the ability to suck water out of your well. Now that's a problem. Yep, It's July in Arizona and they'd run their well dry. The truth is they didn't run their well dry. Their well is part of an aquifer An aquifer is a shared resource. What happened is a big milk producing company bought 2000 acres across the street from them and put a bigger, pipe in and went deeper than them. So that's called overdraw and nobody knew it. So the reality is the world's water infrastructure back to the water infrastructure story again, is not only corroding the distribution of water, but the groundwater wells are going dry and we don't know it. Now these two scientists recently did enough research to go, Oh shit, we're running out of water. That's societal innovation. That's a big freaking problem. So that's what motivates me. So what makes me tick is, I don't want to be famous for anything, but yeah, I'd like whoever's left in my family to go, you know, my dad helped fix that, or my husband helped fix that, or my uncle helped fix that, you know, at some point, I don't know, we can. So we've determined that we have to give it away to solve the problem. And uh, so that's what we're going to try to do. You know, I did a private foundation for myself years ago, but so this is a whole different shift in my brain, because it's always been about demonstrating commercial value. And, you know, now it's like, you know, signing up for a new hitch. You know, I got to, I'm going to sign up for the rest of my life to give away this intellectual property that I've spent the last hmm, almost 20 years building. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Does that make me, does that make me a troublemaker? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. (laughs) And a Scud missile. (laughs) (laughs) To learn more about Doug Stanley and Neo Labs, go to neolabs.com. From there, you can keep up with them on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, GitHub, Twitter, and YouTube. This has been a Trouble Group podcast. Learn more about us at troublegroup.com. If you're a troublemaker and want to be on the podcast, email steve at troublegroup.com.